And uh, we're just going to read a couple of verses. We're going to finish up uh, this series that I've done on um, measuring our walk with the Lord. And um, for those of you that haven't been in this series, Paul's epistles, you'll find that there's um, three words that he uses over and over and over again. And uh, those three words are uh, faith, hope, and charity, or love. And you see that in each of almost all of his epistles. And he, uh, the theme has been really in Ephesians chapter 4, walking worthy of the vocation wherein you have been called with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. So the idea has been Paul writes to the churches and he asks them to measure, uh, measure their walk with the Lord, measure the stature of the fullness of Christ. And for us to just examine our lives individually and examine our lives as a church and how do we measure up and um, just just that's just a brief introduction so we've already we've already looked at a number of things we've talked about faith we've talked about hope and uh, today we're going to talk about uh, measuring our love but let's just read verses follow along as I read verses 1 and 2 and then we'll have a short word of prayer and uh, we'll get into our our Bible study for this morning the Bible says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for the opportunity to gather here this morning, and thank you as always, Lord, for your goodness to us, and thank you, Lord, for your mercy and for your grace. Pray, Lord, that you'd bless our Bible study this morning, that you draw each of us closer to you. We pray for the Sunday school classes downstairs that are taking place. Be with the teachers and the students. And bless the morning worship service and the junior church as well. We do pray, Lord, for those that are not feeling well today, many in the church who have become sick. We pray your healing hand would be upon them, restore their health. And uh, we just ask again your blessing on this day. Help us to feel and sense the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives today. In Jesus' name, we ask and pray all of these things. Amen. Amen. All right, so on our handout, this is just this opening statement. So throughout the ages, Christians seem to have an affinity to use symbols to express their faith. Everything from chains with crosses to lapel pins, bumper stickers, and even today, you can buy what is called witness wear. In other words, all types of clothing with Christian symbols or messages on them. So, of course, there's nothing wrong with these. But the Bible tells us that the true mark of a Christian is love. And we want to look at that today. So, even in Ephesians, Paul hits this topic quite a bit. Look in Ephesians chapter 3. Look at verse 17. He says, That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. And then uh, if you notice in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 5, look at verses 1 and 2. He says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, 
and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. There's just three, three references there alone just in the book of Ephesians. And for those of you that haven't been in this Bible study because you've been away at college or, or you're one of the teens that are in the auditorium this morning, the church in Ephesus was a, what's, what I've called a flagship church in the early New Testament. You had three important churches. You had the church in Jerusalem, you had the church in Antioch, and then you had the church in Ephesus. And so the, the book of Ephesians is what's called a circular letter. So Ephesus is a main hub, and churches were being started all around Ephesus. And so when Paul would write to the Ephesians, uh, and then he spent close to three years preaching in Ephesus, people would come and they'd learn about the scriptures there, and then they would take these back to the churches that had been established in that area, and then they'd come again and he'd teach more, and then they'd go back. And so it's kind of like the center where so much of this teaching has taken place. But this whole emphasis on loving one another and the need to one to love one another. And again, just by way of review, if you notice on your handout, I have for you 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now abide faith and hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. And again, I've already mentioned this, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but as we've done this study, it's interesting, but in 1 Thessalonians, when he speaks about faith and hope and charity, 2 Thessalonians in Colossians, mentions it in Philippians. You find these all at the very beginning of these books, the book of Ephesians here. In his letter to the church in Corinth, it comes much, much later. And we learn that of all of the New Testament churches, the most gifted church was the church in Corinth, but it was also the most carnal church. And it was later on that Paul said, you know, you have been gifted by the Holy Spirit to serve God, but you're really lacking in faith, and you're lacking in hope, and you're lacking in love. So the idea is, listen, you can be gifted by the Spirit of God to serve, but we need to emphasize, and Paul's reminding us, that we need to be a people of faith and a people of hope and a people who love one another. And in 1 Corinthians, he says, the greatest of these is charity. So again, by way of introduction on, on your handout, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And without it, we cannot partake of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Without hope, we cannot endure or bear up under the afflictions and difficulties of life. We talked about that last week. But charity is greater. Love is the fulfilling of the law, but that's never said of faith or of hope. To love people. Flip over to the next page. Romans chapter 13. Look at what Paul says here. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, 
it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So explain that verse to me, somebody. Read through that, and what is Paul saying there with regards to love and these things? He kind of sums it up at the end. The key is really the last verse there. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. But what is he saying? You tell me. What is he saying? Yes, Terry. Yeah, there's truth to that. You know, that, that. In fact, elsewhere in the scriptures, it says, no man that loveth himself would hurt himself. You know, when it's talking about relations between husbands and wives. Um, yeah, but, but what is the gist here? What's, you know, he, he mentions love, and then he also, in the same text, he talks about adultery and stealing and, and false witness and coveting and, and, and all of that. What's, what's the main, yes, Frank? Yeah, that's very true, but you're 100% correct. But with regards to the text here, how does it apply? really what I'm looking for. So if you have, if you have, you got it. There you go. So <laughs> if you have love for one another, you're not going to commit adultery. Uh, if you have love for one another, then you're not going to steal. You're not going to bear false witness. You're not going to covet things. Uh, so that's the fulfilling of the law. So I'm going to correct myself. I said something last week we were, when we were talking about, um, I, I gave an example of uh, a, a very famous songwriter when I was growing up. Most of you, if all, not all of you know the name John Lennon, former member of the Beatles, and, and he wrote a song, All You Need Is Love. And then I think I mentioned it because it was just several weeks ago. It was the anniversary of when he was set killed in New York City. And I said, I said last week, well, I guess he was wrong. He needed more than love. But the reality is, now I understand, we understand what was what his but the reality is that song this is all you need is love if it's biblical love there's truth to that because if the man that shot him was a man who loved others then he wouldn't have obviously done what he did but the flip side of that is we live in a fallen world amen and a sinful world but love is the fulfilling of the law. And we're commanded, you and I are commanded to love. And Paul writes here to the church in Ephesus, and he says that to them there. Listen, he says, 
with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. We're to be loving one another. And so when, when churches are measured, or Christians are measured in the eyes of the Lord, and we're going to see in a minute, in the eyes of other Christians, and in the eyes of the lost, that measurement is, are we loving people? Do we care about people? And that's what Paul writes here to the church in Ephesus. He says that to them. Again, those verses, 317, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. And to know the love of Christ, the height of it, the depth of it, uh, the length of it, the breadth of it, the whole scope of what it means to love people. And uh, again in chapter 5, walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and given himself an offering. So now take your Bibles and uh, if you'll turn to the Gospel of John, chapter number 13. John chapter number 13. So here Jesus is preparing the disciples. He's going to be crucified. And uh, then 40 days later, he'll ascend into heaven. But he's preparing them for what's going to take place. And um, they still don't quite understand all of this. But he's teaching them some things here. And in John chapter 13, we're going to start reading in verse 31 through 35. This is, this is the chapter, by the way, where Jesus... Earlier in the chapter, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. But look what it says in verse 31. Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God also shall glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me, and I said, as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one to another. So this is an interesting couple of verses here. And we should look at these verses and ask ourselves, well, how do we measure up to these, especially these last couple of verses in this, that, that I just read? So I have two points, really, to this Bible study from here on. The first is, uh, what is the quality of our love? And what is the, Jesus is asking ourselves, asking us to ask ourselves that. And what is the quantity of our love? So Jesus really gives permission for you and I to be judged by these two simple factors. For people to look at us and judge us this way. Someone once said, I forgot, I, I wrote this down, I forgot who said it, but they said this, that the church is to be a loving church in a dying culture. Did you get a Sunday school handout? Okay, we've got, I don't know where Ethan is, but he had the extra ones. Um, so, um, take a guess. Just take a guess. How many directives would you think in the New Testament does the Lord give us to love and to love one another? 
How many, take a guess. Just in the New Testament, how many times are we directed to love one another? You can guess, so it doesn't matter if you're wrong. What would you say, Trinity? 150. 150. All right. All right. That's a little high. But hey, that's okay. That's okay. Dennis, how many would you say? It's a guess, so you can't, it doesn't matter. 75. All right, still a little bit high, but you're getting there. All right. Anybody else want to take a guess? 35. 55 times in the New Testament we're directed to love one another. So, you know, it's one thing if, first of all, if the Lord just says something once, it's important. Amen? But if he says it, if there's 55 directives in the New Testament to love one another, then I think we ought to take heed with regards to that and what's being said there. And Jesus here, if you notice here in, in verse 34, he talks about the quality of our love. He tells, look what it says in verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So what do I mean? I said the quality of our love. What is the phrase in, you have to look at it in verse, 30, in verse 34. What is the phrase there that emphasizes uh, that we love unconditionally or the quality of our love. What is it? As I have loved you. Yeah, as I have loved you. So you and I as Christians, we're, we're taught, if, if we're to love, we're to love as Jesus loved. That's not always easy to do, is it? But it's an unconditional love that the Lord uh, brought forth for you and I. And uh, he would teach about this. And uh, I have one example in Matthew chapter 5. And uh, when he was teaching at Capernaum, and as I read this, I'm, my mind is taking me back about a month ago as I was there in Capernaum, and, and I just can think about Jesus teaching this there. But he said this, look on your handout. You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. This is kind of like radical teaching then. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And most people, when, when they heard this, they would have said, Really? Love my enemies? Do good to them that hate me? Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Again, we read this because most of us have read this from the time we were little children, but... Think about you sitting there, and Jesus is teaching this to you. This is like, I've never heard this before. This isn't the way people treat one another. Nobody loves their enemies. People hate their enemies. And he says that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Then, here's the real challenge, too. Look what he says. If you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. And if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? So, so what is he saying in those last few verses? Somebody tell me. Explain that. What is he saying about the publicans and, and so on and so forth? 
Yes, Frank. Yeah, love the people that don't love you. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's difficult sometimes to love people. You know, it's easy to love people that you love, but it's not so easy to love people that you don't love. Right? I, uh, and, I personally am not crazy about some of our politicians, but I do pray for them. Right. Yeah. When we, you know, I went to Washington three years in a row and, and met with our congressmen and senators. Actually, Frank went, Ethan went, several of us went. And I remember taking the Vermont contingents. Uh, they, we went up to see Bernie Sanders, who is very liberal, you know, and, and I don't really have a lot in common with Bernie Sanders, but we went to his office to pray. And he wasn't there that day. That's when he was running for the presidency of the United States back in, I guess that would have been 2016 or something. But his chief of staff was just like floored that we would come in and we'd want to pray with them. They were kind of like, what's this all about? Like was, they were suspicious, you know, that we were there. No, I just want to pray with you. We just want to pray with you. We want to pray for you because we're commanded to pray for them. And I don't have anything probably with Bernie Sanders that I agree politically, very little. Oh, that's not true. He's a very good, he's an advocate of gun rights in the state of Vermont, believe it or not. So I'm, I'm on Bernie's side with regards to, to gun, gun rights. But we're commanded to pray for people. We weren't there for any political agenda. We were just there to pray for them. The politicians in Washington need to be prayed for. So, yes, Donna, go ahead. Right, very good. It's very true. Very true. So, but that's to be the quality of it. It's to be an unconditional love. And so we have to measure ourselves. Do we love people unconditionally? And Jesus lays it out here. And then he says the sacrificially part in verse 34 as well, that you love one another as I has loved you, as I have loved you, that you love one another. So Jesus loved us sacrificially. He came not to be ministered to, but to minister. And the ultimate sacrifice is when he went to the cross and he laid down his life for us to pay for our sins. Amen. And so, you know, are, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to go out of the way for people? On our handout, John 15, 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Or 1 John 3, 16, Hereby perceive we the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So we lay our lives down and uh, we put others first. And we can do that in big ways. We can do that in little ways. But we, but we do. I had an opportunity this week. I, we, um, up in Reedsboro, where I live, we got a lot of snow. I couldn't believe it when I came down to North Adams on Friday. And <laughs> there was no snow here. Because we got about 20 inches of snow at my house. But I just finished snow blowing my driveway. And this guy's out in, in my front out on the road with his flashers going. And uh, I thought it might be, sometimes they stop because they're waiting for the road to clear and then they want to take off and get a running start up the hill to get up to Searsburg. But he blew his transmission. 
And uh, so I had to come to North Adams anyhow, but I pulled out. I said, what's going on? He said, oh, my transmission's shot. And um, I, I've had that happen, you know. You're out in the middle of nowhere. There's no cell phone service, at, you know, where I live. His cousin got a ride with somebody down to Bill Mons in Stanford. And I said, well, listen, come on in. Come on in. Well, there's a guy who owns a tow truck around the corner. Come on into the house. We'll, we'll use the, um, you, you can use the phone in there. And anyhow, long and Long and short of it is, I was thinking about this lesson. Actually, I told the guy, I said this to him, you know, when you were backing up there, if, if your tranny was gone, you should have just backed right into my driveway. You know what he said? I was thinking about it, he said, but I didn't know how you'd react. Some people would not react very well. You know, I said, now you broke down. I said, I've, I've been there, done that. But that, that, that's interesting what he said. Some people would have been upset that his broke down truck was in their driveway. Rather than trying to help the, somebody, he's a total stranger, he's from Pittsfield. They're on the way to go skiing. Boy, that was a downer. And he's probably got a three or $4,000 truck repair or maybe more to put a tranny in his truck. And um, so anyhow, we got him hooked up and got him to town. But and it was no big deal on my part. I was going to North Adams anyhow, but I would have, I've actually, where my house is situated, we're like the first house people come to. And um, so we are always getting people to stop at our house. And uh, it's been a great opportunity to help people, to witness to people. We had some contractor breakdown in his truck. I gave him and his coworker a ride back to Bennington. I was able to give him gospel tracks and be a help to them. It's just what we do as Christians. We help people. And um, I was a little bit disappointed with these two guys, though. I didn't have a gospel tract to give them. I did tell them I was a pastor. And, um, and you know, they were very appreciative. But that's the quality of our love. We're, we're to love one another, and we're to love one another sacrificially. In this instance, there was no sacrifice for me to help these people. I was coming, like I said, to town, but just the fact that somebody would help them. You know, today we live in a day where people don't even want to help anybody anymore. So you and I, what do we do for one another? What is the quality of our love? Do we really care about people? Um, and then we're almost out, we're running out of time here, but the quantity of our love. Um, look again at verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So, in verse 34, we're reminded to love individually. You know, we come one-on-one. -on -one. Um, Fifteen directives in the New Testament to specifically love one another individually, to take an individual, um, just to care for people and for whatever their need might be. And uh, sometimes the needs are financial, sometimes the needs are just spiritual, sometimes the needs are emotional needs, but what are we, what are we doing? What are, how are we investing ourselves in people's lives? On your handout, John 15 says, If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, 
even as I have loved my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. So let me just stop there. Look at that verse again, John 15 there. And read through that, and I have the words love highlighted. But notice, as you read through that verse again, what, what other characteristic, if you're loving people, what other characteristic jumps out at you there? Joy. It's joy. If you want to experience the joy of the Lord, that means you need to love one another. If we're not going to love one another, you're not going to experience the joy of the Lord. Jesus was telling them that here uh, in John chapter number 15. Loving one another is what is an expression of our joy. And so our joy would be full. Love one another as I have loved you. And so we're reminded of that. God loved, Jesus loved us sacrificially. He loved us unconditionally. And then he says in verse 35, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one to another. And when I read this and I was putting this together, those words, all men, just jumped out at me. Not just Christians, but everyone. That's how, listen, when you and I, when you and I express our love for others, for the love for those that are around us, that's the true mark of a Christian. You know, you can wear the gold chain with the cross on it, and you can wear the witness wear, and you can, you know, all of these things that we mentioned earlier, but how do you express your love for those that are around you? How do you express your love for other Christians that are around you? Uh, are you quick to criticize? Are you quick to quick to ridicule? Are you quick to find fault? Are you quick to find, you know, whatever? do you love those that are the unlovely? That's the true mark of a Christian. And um, that's what Jesus said. And Jesus really here, he gives, he gives the world the right to judge us. This, he says, he says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. If you're expressing love for those that are around you, that's how they'll know. And um, look, look on your handout, John chap or Luke chapter six. As ye would have that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Again, that little example I gave you of these guys that I helped out with their truck, the thought that kept running to my mind, and I was trying to be a, an encouragement to these guys because I've been there. You're broken down. You had, you had a day of skiing planned. I remember my tranny went in my 15-passenger van taking the, kids, taking the school kids to skiing that day. But you had the day planned and, and just messes the whole day up. And I'm thinking of these guys. And, and uh, this guy was pretty upset because he knew that he's going to have a big bill to pay, so on and so forth. But I'm thinking, well, I've been in that situation. I can feel for this guy. So I want to be a help to him. As ye would that men should do to you, do you also like I do to them likewise. For if you love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. 
And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners. Ye receive as much again. But here it is again, he says, But love your enemies and do good, and lend, and hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. So let me just say this too. If you've been in the position where someone's helped you, and maybe you're in that position now, you need to remember that for that time and that day in the future when you'll be in a position where you can then help somebody and not just have it all. It's more, you know, Jesus said, well, you help me finish this. It is more blessed to what? Give than to receive. So as you go through life, you're always going to find yourself in one place or another. If you've been on the receiving end, then somewhere down the line, the Lord will put you in a position where you can be on the giving end. And it works that way. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. You know, I've had it happen both ways in my life. And so when I find, if you find opportunity to, to do good, Paul would say, I think it's in the book of Galatians, and, and especially they have the household of faith, then go ahead and do it. Because God's put you in that position. It's a testimony. You remember what Jesus said if you, and again, I'm just paraphrasing, but if you give someone a cup of water, what did he say? Someone who's thirsty, if you give them a cup of water, then you've done it unto, you've done it unto me. If you give something, somebody to eat, then you really, you've done it unto me. It's just an expression of our faith. It's an expression of our love. And looking for opportunities to care about, to love people, and to demonstrate that love. So we're, we're done, we're out of time, but I finish with this statement at the bottom of your Sunday School handout, the conclusion. We need to be thoughtful about this point. I just, that, that was my point about finding yourself in a position where you get, you're either a giver or, or you're, you've been helped. We may be true Christians born again, yet failing in our love toward other Christians and the lost. And I like, I, this is actually a quote. I read this and I really like it. If the standard of our salvation was whether or not we loved one another to the full extent of the biblical directive, none of us would be saved. Right? I mean, if that was the standard of our salvation, that we had to fulfill the biblical mandate to love one another, we'd all be lost. And... Um, Thankfully, that's not the standard. We're saved by his grace and by his mercy. Amen? But the directive to love and to care about people. Um, 55 times in the New Testament, that directive is given. So anyhow, again, as you read through on your own, if in your devotions, as you read through like the book of Ephesians and First and Second Thessalonians and Colossians and the book of Romans, you'll find... These three words found over and over again. Several weeks ago, we looked at the word faith. And then last week, we looked at the word hope. And this week, we looked at the word love. This trilogy of words. 
And Paul really says to us as believers, measure yourself. Measure yourself by faith and hope and love. See where you're excelled. See where you need work. And to go to the Lord and, and, and seek his counsel and his guidance and his wisdom and his strength. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you'd bless now the morning worship service. Let it, Lord, bring truly honor and glory to you. Thank you again for your love for us. Help others to see the love of Christ shining through us, the light of Christ shining through us. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you in our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.